This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. Today, we have two people calling the helpline. It's me and Jason. We'll share more details in a second, but a preview is Jason and I are both negotiating with people we're friendly with, and we're both feeling stuck. So we phone a friend, former FBI special agent Chip Massey. I know that sounds kind of funny. Like, why would you need a former hostage negotiator to help you talk to a friend? But when you're really stressed about saying the right thing, you want to call in the career pros. And Chip is the ultimate pro at this. Here's our negotiating session. Chip Massey, welcome to Help Wanted. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Chip, Nicole and I began our relationship (laughs) in some kind of negotiation, a.k.a. Nicole asking me for money. (laughs) But before we get into that and all the other messy negotiations that Nicole and I have gone through, not just with each other, but with other people. And we want your advice on how to negotiate with people who you have real relationships with or are going to have real relationships with. Why don't you start by telling us why you are so expertly qualified to guide us through this? So I was a special agent uh, for the FBI for 22 years. I started off my career at the Washington field office where I was assigned to essentially chase spies for a period of time. In in Washington, D.C., you can imagine there's a few of them there. And eventually I, I transferred to our New York field office, which I remained for the entirety of my career. And that's where I joined and became team leader for our hostage negotiation team. All of which is to say it is an absolute joke. That after all that, you are here talking to us about our silly negotiations. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, no. And can I say, people often say that to me. It's like, wow, though, I mean, you're talking to me about like, you know, we'll be talking to, you know, CEOs and so forth about their problems, their concerns. And they're like, but, you know, you actually dealt with life and death. And that's like, that's nothing to what I'm dealing with. I'm like, this is all relative because the person in the business world, in the context of, whether you're just starting out, whether you've been in there for a while, is still dealing with issues that are so vital to them. So I, I just I just want to put that out, you know, is that is that there's no small amount of stress. It can be huge in a person's life. Well, I appreciate the sentiment, Chip. I'm still yes. going to go back to Jason's thought that it is a joke that you're dealing with our negotiation problems compared to the serious negotiations that you had that dealt with life and death. Thank you for doing it. And so as Nicole and I were talking about you coming on and where we could use your help, we realized that we are in, both of us, some interesting negotiation situations right now because we are both dealing with negotiating some deals with people who are either friends or friendly, but then on the other spectrum, total strangers. And it also reminded us that that's, of course, how we began, which is what I teased out earlier. So why, why don't we start with that, Nicole? Do you want to you want to <laughs> remind us about that? Gosh, how long ago was this? Oh, um, it feels know. like a million years ago. I got an email from, I believe, a publicist at the time for the book tour that I was on saying that 
Fancy Entrepreneur Magazine had an opportunity to do a video series of some sort. And I said, cool, like a video series, that sounds like more than just a article or a press hit that sounds like you know part of my expertise i've been an anchor like i get paid to do video series so i said well do they have a budget or like i'll ask i don't care and so i think did i email you and just say yeah, what directly what? <laughs> cool <laughs> <laughs> so i just decided that i was going to email the the big honcho over yeah. at the magazine and say what did I say? Hey, Jason, nice to meet you. What's your budget for this? Yeah, video? I think you asked what my day rate was. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, so like in the SAG-AFTRA, that's a union that mm -hmm. I'm part of, there's a day rate. Like, So I said, Jason, what's your day rate? Yeah, and we had a budget of zero for that. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did you say? <laughs> I think that's what I said. I didn't know whether you were lying or not. Right. Oh, yeah, like that's true. You could have said, I don't have a budget, which often happens. And then sometimes I kick it over to somebody else on the team and magically like a budget is found. Yeah. Uh, so now that I know you, I know that the answer was really like, I didn't have a budget, period, the end. But yeah. how was I supposed to know that, Chip? Right. Or like, so when do you push back and maybe there is a magical budget? And Chip, let's call this scenario number one, which is strangers connecting, possibly there's some value here, but you don't know what to trust. And then we can get into like scenario number two, where we get deeper into an existing relationship. But right now we're just talking strangers. We were strangers. Yeah. So strangers. So here's where it all comes down to is you're, you're on the right track with like Nicole, you were saying, I didn't know if I could trust Jason, right? He could be lying. He is very untrustworthy. <laughs> right? Like He's a bit sketch. I get yeah. it. Uh, but what you do is, is that you ask the question and we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You've heard that. But mm -hmm. being able to ask Jason, say, look, you know, okay, what's your budget? And let it hang. You know, he, let him come up with something. Some, you know, being comfortable with dead air is a value, right? Okay, so what's your budget around this? Well, you know, it, I'm not sure. We're, you know, we're still talking about there may not be enough for this. And your next thing after you let that hang is is going to be, well, are you willing to say, okay, well, when you figure it out, let me know, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to be willing to be able to do that. Now, what are the consequences of that? All right, I'm, I could lose out on this opportunity. That's a possibility, and you have to equate: is the money more important? Then the exposure to Jason, you know, he's a connector that might be more valuable than money. Right. So all those things, you know, you have to weigh in, but you push until you, somebody tells you no, and it's okay. Right. People spend money on what's important to them. Right. So if you can put your value out there and again, they have to believe it's important to them. So, so part of that, your job is to convince that person that you're a value, that you are worth the money or you are worth, hey, can you introduce me to 10 people that are in your network that would really help my career? You can do trade-offs. What I often caution executives when they are like so in a negotiation phase and they're so tied to a number, they're like, if I don't bring this number back, you know, I'm in trouble. And that's all they can see. That's their focus. 
problem with that is when they're so focused on that number, they're missing out on the creativity that exists on the outside of that. So, Nicole, you noticed that, that Jason had other value for you. And you wanted to explore that and figure what that was. I, I, I'm just putting words in your mouth. I don't know what you did. But the thing is, is that there are other ways of getting value. It might be you need money and okay, saying yes to something is saying no to another thing. But explore, have that creativity. By the way, Chip, if I recall, and I could be incorrect, that Nicole did do some version of that in that I think, Nicole, at the time you had filmed some videos and we're looking for distribution for them. And so you pivoted off of money and into could entrepreneur distribute these videos. Smart. Yeah. Great, great idea. Because the thing is like me not having a budget for that project with you wasn't to say that we don't value you. It was instead to say that we, I just literally don't have the money right now. Right? Like a thing that I don't have is money for you for this. But that's not to say I don't value you and therefore couldn't find some other way to create value for you that was outside of the one limitation I have, which is that I don't have the money. And sometimes I think of this during other negotiations with like speaking where Walmart or whatever is saying, I don't have a budget. I'm like, that is an actual lie. <laughs> like, But okay, I'll take your lie and I'll ask for something else that you could give me. And then the question for me, Chip, becomes, do you push on that a little bit or do you just explore their universe more and find something that is of value to you that might be easier for them to give. Mm. Nicole, and I think Jason's heard this, is that as a hostage negotiator, I never negotiated with anyone, not one person. My job was to convince that person to value what I valued. Mm. And here, here's the scenario I set out for people so that they, it becomes very real, is that he's got seven people in there. If I'm negotiating, I'm going to say, okay, look, how about this? You, you give me four, kill three, call it a day. Never going to happen, right? But my attitude here is that I had to convince that guy. I had to convince him to put the gun down, release the hostages, and then surrender to me. Now, I didn't do that by haggling over money, by, by talking about his getaway or anything like that. I had to open up a dialogue. I had to open up a conversation. And more importantly, I had to listen to him. And what we say in our book is called forensic listening. And what we mean by that is that if we understand that every conversation has its own nuggets, has its own thing, people are trying to tell us what is important to them. Your conversation with Walmart, you're saying, you know, should I have stuck with the money or explored that universe a little bit? Absolutely. You want to get to is that is that in your forensic listen, you're going to ask a bunch of open-ended statements to them, a bunch of open-ended questions. You know, you're going to find out like, well, okay, well, what's your audience like? And who's going to be there when I speak? And what markets do they represent? You're going mm. to listen. And then what is in this for Walmart? What are your guys' you know, major points that that you're trying to get out of this engagement? Start at, okay, and who are the sponsors? Who might be behind that? Asking more questions, allow them to talk. Anytime somebody was talking to me in a hostage crisis, I'm winning because they're sharing information. You know, first they're going to talk in generalities, but the more you can guide them to specifics and make them comfortable, 
they know, getting to the truth of the matter can make people uncomfortable. But if you make them feel good about that, that's the other side of this, is that we call targeted validation, is that you have to get people comfortable with telling you more information, whether that's through true compliments. Paying attention to people, listening to what they say is actually a huge compliment. You know, you both are super busy, right? You're scheduled out the, the, the Yahoo. So what you got to do is tell that person, say, listen, I, I just want you to know is that this conversation is important to me. And I really value your time, especially considering all the things that you're dealing with. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Is that all right? It's the idea is that people want to share with you but you have to make them comfortable and feel good about is the other side. And what how do you know if that person is lying to you? Are there tells probably in real life? I've heard like when your eyes look away, I don't know if that's a thing. Tell me more about that. I've, I've always been fascinated, but on email or on Zoom, it's, it's much harder. Are there tells that somebody is withholding information or just flat out lying? When somebody goes vague, there's usually a reason for it, right? So I'll give you an example. So uh, during my interviews or interrogations, and I'm talking to the who I think is is you know the person responsible for the crime. Let's say the mastermind. <laughs> mastermind. We never said mastermind, <laughs> but I just threw that in. And I'm talking. Yeah, what did to, you call them? If you don't call him a mastermind in the real world, what are they? Person of interest. We call him. He is our target. Right. Okay. He's the subject of the investigation. Got it. One of the things that I would start with is. When people start off and they're very detailed, like, okay, well, I woke up that morning at 8.15 and then I got in my car at 8.20. I remember my favorite song was on the radio. And then when they get to like where the where we think the crime happened around the time frame the crime happened, they'll say, um, yeah, I remember, you know, I pulled into a parking lot and and then I was at I was in the office. Yeah, that's what happened. Right. There's kind of the yada yada kind of effect there. So when people go vague, there's a reason for it. Either they're uncomfortable talking to you about it, or there's an element there that yeah, they're just not ready to share or there's deception. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. Yeah. Chip, I want to move us to scenario two. Scenario number two would be that you're 
negotiating a deal with someone who you've gotten to know in some way, right? We're going from stranger to someone you know. And the thing that I'm thinking about that you said a few minutes ago was how important it is to know what they value and what you have in common. But when you're dealing with strangers, you have to figure that out on the fly. You have less information about it. Now you have some more. And to me, the thing that has always felt most dangerous about this particular kind of moment is that I don't want to come off to someone who I am developing a nice relationship with as a hard ass. I don't want them to think of me as a hard ass because, hey, I thought I thought I, would, I thought he was a nice guy and now he's trying to do this to me. So like broad strokes, Jason and I are both dealing with a negotiation with an acquaintance, like friendly a business. Yeah. yeah, friendly business person. <laughs> ah, you're not listening, right? Exactly. So Jason is potentially working on a project with a friendly business acquaintance, and he believes the revenue split should be different. I am working on a contract with a friendly business acquaintance about doing a show with our network and their lawyer is a super hard ass and like is just ripping apart the contract in a way that feels beyond the spirit of the deal. We've already started the work and things like that. And so we're both trying to figure out how to approach those situations because like the adage of if you lend your friend money, decide what you like more or what you value more, the friend or the money, we still believe you can do business with friends, right? Like I don't think there should be the church and state. It's also very cool. Jason and I are case in point that it's awesome to do business with friends. But sometimes you run into these situations where you want to keep both and sometimes you can't. So have clear expectations set out for the deal. You know what your absolutes are in any deal. You know what are deal breakers for you. And you also know what you're willing to live with. Now, it's important that you identify that before going in. And if you can remain true to yourself, because otherwise you accept a deal that just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you're going to hate that deal. You're going to hate that project. You're going to resent that person, right? So the best advice I would give to someone in, in this situation you've just described is deal with them, deal with them directly and call it out. Say, I have a problem with this. This is starting to feel unsavory to me. So when we put ourselves in the situations, I would advise you to, to role play it. You know, you and Jason can do this. You know, you can you can take the get into the mind of the of the person that you're dealing with and you guys take the different roles. Okay, can we try it really quick? I think I, I know the guy that you're negotiating with, and I think you know the person I'm negotiating with. Sure. Well, I don't know how to get into the mind of the person you're negotiating with, but I do know how to get into the mind of the person I'm negotiating with. And so maybe I have to play that person and you play me. Oh, okay. All right. So the setup is we're working on a business project together. Right. And you've come up with a structure for how the revenue is going to split up. And I, Jason, disagree with that and want to scoot you more toward a different revenue split. That's right. And let's just say, we'll just make up numbers. These are not the real numbers from the deal, but let's just say that it's, I've proposed 25% you, 75% me on something. Okay. Um, I'm Jason, getting into character. What's your name? Evan. Evan. Great. 
Hey, Evan. Uh, hey, so excited about our project together. Me too. Me too. I wanted to talk to you about how to make it a success because I'm just fired up about it. And I know That's you great. are too. I am. I'm so excited that you're excited. And I think this is a great opportunity. And I think we've come up with a real fair system here. And I'm excited to get going. Yeah. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of different systems that could be fair in this scenario. And I think that when we're looking at those different options, one bubbles up to me as like the fair and successful one. I've been working on this other project where, where some of the contracts are 50-50. And it just feels like both parties have so much skin in the game and they both want it to be so successful. So what you might lose in like a more favorable split you make up for in sweat equity and passion and promotion. And so I think not only is that fair, it feels equitable to me, but I think it will be ultimately the most successful for you to make this thing a huge success. Well, I so I appreciate that, Jason, and I want this to be as much a success for you as it is for for me. And the reason I offered the 2575 is because the bulk of the work is going to be done by me. It's my team and my resources. And that's not to devalue what you're bringing. You're bringing a lot of attention and you're going to be participating and that's going to be incredibly valuable. But what I'm offering is really a kind of better than standard deal for this kind of thing in the industry. And I need this to make sense for both of us, but I also need to make it make sense for my team. And I know that if I bring back a deal that feels just incredibly off other deals that we have, that people might not be so enthusiastic about it, or they might not understand it. And obviously I have to have a responsibility as much to you as I do to my team members and making sure that we're bringing in enough revenue to support everybody. So I'd love to see what else we could make work here or what you really need to make this move forward. But I think a 50-50 is just not going to make the economics work. I'm so glad, Evan, that you brought up the idea of team. You and I both agree on this idea. You and I are both a team. You have your team that you treat like family. I treat my team like family too. And let me tell you a little bit more about my team. My team is also working really hard for me. They want the best for me. They have a lot of opportunities that they're bringing to me. And I want to evaluate them and really validate their, their pounding of the pavement and their sweat equity. And so when I bring them this opportunity, they're going to find it to be a less favorable split than some of the other opportunities they're bringing to me. So I need your help in selling it to my team to get them incentivized to work really hard to make this a success because I want them to get behind it and understand that not only is it good economic success, but finding that fair and successful split will also encourage and empower them to go above and beyond for this partnership. I'm going to break the fourth wall here, whatever <laughs> wall this is, for just a second and say that as you got into team, what people could not see was Chip variously applauding and throwing <laughs> thumbs up all over the place. Okay, back into character. Jason, I, I really appreciate that. You know, what it makes me think about is maybe, especially because we're so aligned, we have a great relationship, and I, I really want to respect that relationship, that maybe we're thinking about this too narrowly, and it's not just about this particular revenue split, but maybe there are other ways that we can be really creative about supporting each other. So 
maybe there's a way in which we we change the revenue split a little bit. Like maybe we go to a, a 70-30, but then also I can add all this different support to you and help grow out other parts of your business. And we have a really large audience that I can get you in front of in different ways and drive them to other things like that great Help Wanted podcast that you have. And I, I wonder if maybe maybe we're just thinking about this too narrowly and we're talking about this revenue split, but maybe this is really an opportunity to start a bigger conversation about even more ways to work together and make it equitable in a larger way that I'm really excited about and that I, I hope you are too. I am so excited about it. And I love thinking big. And you and I are so in line with that. We just are visionaries and we think about the big picture here. And I think you also have an amazing social profile. I'd love to help you with your LinkedIn because I'm a rock star on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. I'm okay, try my. I don't know what the hell is going that on. Was, okay, but here's what I, here's what I want to say. First of all, I like Nicole as me praising my own LinkedIn skills. Thank you. But Chip, first of all, what you heard was a, a real consistent love fest. There was so much complimenting back and forth, which was probably overkill. But what I liked about it was that it just kept respecting the relationship, which I thought was really useful. And what I saw was some kind of softening on positions, but I didn't really know where to go. I, I thought Nicole did a better job than I would have in real life in holding firm. I probably would have started to just accept any kind of new offer, to be honest with you. But let me stop there and say, Chip, what did you hear? All right. First of all, excellent. Well, well, well done. I mean, clearly you both, you're in the game for a bit. You you know some of these moves. One of the things that I, I really liked was when you guys focused on your teams. So it's about them as well. The other thing is that you, you know, Nicole, you were laying out a vision. You're like, hey, you know, Evan, you're a visionary like me. We call those predictive statements, right? The idea here, you know, when the, the idea of, of mentalists, when they do a hot and cold read, we always want to use things that will excite the brain that will get people to reveal more about themselves. So you're hitting on, on all the right things. And then, you know, Evan starts to pick up on your language. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, I, I, I appreciate that you're thinking creatively about this. And I think we can think of other ways that we can, you know, make this deal work exactly where you want to be. Now you're, now you're collaborating, right? Before we were, it sounded more like you guys were on opposite oppositional sides, right? Never a good position to be in. We don't want us versus them. We want we. And we want your language to be to embrace that. So every chance any chance you have a chance of dropping in we, um, us, the idea here is that you're appealing to what that is important to that other person. If you can do that in a way that doesn't cheat you, that you hit on all those again, forensic listening, what is their holdout? You're going to get there. The more you're talking asking him those questions, the more Evan has to respond to you. Information. And what we suggest, and it's and it's and it's in our book, Convince Me, is that we we ask that you go in and take notes in a different way. Right. You absolutely need to take notes about the points and to next actions and what everybody's going to do. We ask that you that you take a notes from a forensic listening standpoint. And so we ask people to divide their 
their page in four quadrants, right? And so what we have is the top quadrant, top left is emotion. And when the person is talking, like you had, Nicole, when you had Evan talking, what is what emotion is present? Where does he light up or where does he go dead? And you want to you want to put that in there. Okay, he seems excited here, but he seems really afraid or or fear or that there's some reticence on this part. Whatever that emotion is, you, you write that down. Top right is going to be the theme. Evan went o- over a few themes with you, right? There were a few things that he kept going back to. Revenue lines, I'm assuming all the risk. So he's telling you, I got to make money and I'm concerned about my portion of the risk here. And I don't think it's fair, okay? Body positioning. Now, you, if you, like here, we all have a line of sight on each other, right? Now, when I was hostage negotiator, it was on a phone, right? I didn't have a line of sight on the person, which to some ways is an advantage because I'm, I'm not focused on the distractions. But here, you can see Evan. And at what point in the conversation is Evan start to show that he's uncomfortable? Like, where is he fidgeting more? Where is he like readjusting himself? Where might he just be going, you know, showing you through his body positioning? Because we're, we're never static. We're always in movement. Write that down. And the other is the voice, the pitch, the tone and cadence. When we're excited, we go up, right? When we are losing gas on what you're, what you're talking about, you know, I'm like, ah, I just don't know. Our voice goes down, right? So we want to we make notes on all four of those things. Why? Because we could say, you know, we made some great progress here. Let's put a pin in this for now and let's revisit that. What you're going to do in that point is that you're going to immediately take down all the notes that you can. Okay, he seemed to hit this thing. He, he's talking about risk. And then he and then when I started talking about vision, he said, well, let's expand this. Let's think creatively. And I got him to move in that direction. Excitement, right? So you want to take down all those notes because you're going to return to this person. You have a relationship with Evan and you want this deal to work. So you're going to go back armed now with a whole bunch more information about what's important to him, his his values, his strengths, the weaknesses, what he's excited, what he's not. And then you're going to hit on all those things that are so important and provide mitigation. Well, Chip, you've talked a lot about convincing here. Nicole, do you feel convinced? I feel convinced. I feel convinced. I'm convinced. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks, Chip. Oh, thank you, guys. It was fun. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at moneynews and TikTok at moneynewsnetwork for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right, well, talk to you soon. Thank you.